You're listening to the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show with your host, Coach Tim Campsall, where we talk with successful business owners to hear the stories of their journeys in building their successful businesses. And more importantly, we recognize the folks who help them excel because we know that achieving business success is not something we can do on our own. Hello, everyone. This is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is a musician who took 17-year break, but just started producing and releasing again last year. So we're going to get to hear a little bit about that. In his downtime, he loves to write music, travel, and play soccer, and he's most proud of winning uh, a number of awards, but the one that is especially uh, meaningful to him is the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for Business Ethics. So we'll have uh, we'll have him tell us about that as well. It is my pleasure to welcome Andrew to the show today. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Tim. Um, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start off by having you introduce yourself. Uh, tell us your uh, your first and last name and a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live and your family and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'm Andrew Abersold. I was born and raised in Southern Indiana, specifically New Albany, Indiana. Um, for those of you not as familiar with the Southern part of the state, we're right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. So we get to have the pleasure of being um, kind of caught in between two worlds. We like to think of ourselves here as the sunny side of Louisville, but um, most of our commerce <laughs> in this area is, is Louisville-centric, uh, if you will. So um, yeah, I started Meteora about 20 years ago. It's a little over 20 years now when I met my to-be bride, uh, Amy. Um, she kind of gave me the courage and the nudge that most of us as uh, entrepreneurs sometimes need to take that first leap. And it's been a wild ride for these uh, past 20 years. You know, you've uh, First several years was just growth, 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 growth. And then as you start to grow, I think most of us realize you've got scaling issues and you've got structural problems that at some point the solopreneur, entrepreneur um, hits a brick wall. And, you know, we did that as a company and we've overcome it a few times and now we have new problems. Um, but I think that's really relevant to today's conversation because the journey uh, is never ending. We're always learning. We're always growing. Um, and uh, it's also never a straight line. So uh, it's been a lot of fun for us, but we've had fun doing it. So, uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit more about this uh, music career that uh, you put on <laughs> pause for what sounds like forever. Yeah. So before I started Meteora, um, right out of high school in the mid 90s, so I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit, um, I started a record label because I was writing music and I could not get any other record label to release it. I guess it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> in retrospect, it probably wasn't, but you know what? I was passionate about it and I loved it. So I did what um, an entrepreneurial would do. I started in my own business as a record label and manufactured my own CDs through a, a partner that I acquired or found rather and started making music. And I did that for um, all through college. You know, the, the money that I made from it uh, as a record label owner um, helped pay for schooling and, and it kind of was enough income um, to have fun on, if you will. But when, uh, you know, I started to get serious about life as an adult, I realized this is not a very good business model. The industry was changing, MP3s came along, everyone was pirating music. <laughs> Um, it was already difficult enough as it was, and it got me more difficult. So I, I kind of pivoted into the marketing side and, and started Meteora. 
And I continued to do that music for a few years, but at some point it lost its luster and you know, it was just disappointment when people weren't really listening to it or it wasn't well received. And I just head down focused on Meteora. Fast forward to COVID-19. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety and stress that that business owners um, experience during that time. You know, is it, the economy going to open up? Is you're losing loved ones? There's so many things going on there. And, and of course, the world we live in now is highly polarized with political things. And so there's there's some things we can and can't say publicly. And so these emotions start to build up. And what I realized that starting to write music again for me was a really important release mm. of a lot of those emotions. Um, yeah, you're kind of laying it all out there for anyone that wants to listen to it. And they can kind of try to interpret meanings or judge you on things. <laughs> um, but it, it made me feel healthier as a person. And I needed that outlet. And I've kind of continued with it since. And so for the past two years, I've been uh, working on music a couple of days a week. I write all my own music. I record it in a home studio. I started singing, which was very uh, nerve wracking at first to, to try and do, but I've really enjoyed it. And, and I feel like I'm seeing the personal growth there as well, not just from last year's release to 20 years ago or whatever, but this year's music compared to last year. Mm, yeah. and, and I think that's from those good, healthy habits of uh, always <laughs> trying to improve, right? That's awesome. So um, you also, uh, I introduced and, and said a little bit about your ethics award. So tell us about that. Yeah, um, I'm really proud of it because I think that in our industry, there's a lot of um, scenarios where the, the customer doesn't always know exactly what we're doing because of the technology involved and and you're, you're doing some things kind of behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, right? And I've seen a lot of businesses do that and take advantage of their customers. Um, probably the number one thing I see that with is search engine optimization, something everybody knows that they need, but it's a little bit of a mystery mm -hmm. process. And a lot of companies will charge customers a lot of money and not do anything for it. So when we had an opportunity to be acknowledged for that, uh, it made me feel very proud because I've always felt like we're trying to do things the right way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things I learned when I was younger and doing martial arts, right? Integrity, do the right thing when no one else is looking. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'd like to say it's easy to do. Sometimes it's actually really hard, mm -hmm. especially when your back's against the wall to do the right thing. It might cost you a client. It might cost you revenue, but it lets you sleep better at night and feel yes. better about yourself as a person. Um, so for me, that was something that was really um, important and and even if you can't use that award to like really advertise and promote yourself, like you can't throw it out. At, there's rules, <laughs> right? Around. You can talk about it, yeah. um, but that's one that that meant something to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, congratulations, that's awesome. So, Thank Andrew, you. let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Um, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Oh, there's probably uh, dozens of funny stories. Um, <laughs> I was just telling this one the other day because we were talking about mental health and ADHD and how that impacts people. Um, full disclosure, I have ADHD and I just deal with it as an adult trying to manage a business and also being forgetful and sometimes having too much energy. Uh, as a child, uh, we didn't really know what some of that stuff was. We're not as open about it, you know, in the early 80s as we are today. Uh, they just thought I had too much energy. So they would literally send me outside and I would run laps around our family house, <laughs> sometimes five times, sometimes 25 times until I got tired because apparently I was driving everyone nuts with all this nervous energy that I had. So 
Um, I was actually telling that story the other day and it made me laugh and people looked at me like, that's kind of weird. I was like, I didn't mind. I got the exercise. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) So tell us, how did the business come about? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Yeah, uh, it's funny because I think that this is, um, this is the part that a lot of people forget. It's, you know, I said earlier when, when we met and we made the decision and I needed the nudge, et cetera, that is true but it's never like a light switch Mm. for me from what I've seen with any of my businesses that I've started. And there've been probably five or six. Um, It's something that I started doing freelancing and consulting with while I was running that record label. I was building websites for people. I was helping them with graphic design and marketing things. And as people started to see that, they're like, oh, more people started referring people to me. And I got a job um, as as a contract worker that was almost like a full-time gig, but it was truly just contract. And I started running that through my other corporation, which was the record label. And <clears throat> there was an inflection point of like, okay, we're a fork in the road, if you will, uh, with that larger entity. I'm like, guys, I'm one person and I can only do so much for you right. as one person. We need to staff up for this. Where I thought the the normal answer from most businesses at that point would have been, um, let's hire Andrew full time and we'll build a department to, to service this growing demand of digital marketing. Um, and this was around, this is, you know, 2002 to 2003 and that kind of range. Right. And um, that's what I thought they would say. And they said, well, we're still a little nervous because of the dot com bubble bursting two or three years prior where they had tried that and failed mm-hmm. and had to do a yo-yo with downsizing that department. Uh, why don't you just hire them? And that was a big decision for me to make to go from one person to hiring people. And frankly, I didn't do it immediately. I ended up turning to um, freelancers and outsourcing because it was a more, you know, uh, cost-effective approach for me in those early days. But we did start building the business at that point, if that makes sense. And so over the next few years, as it grew and grew and grew, then we finally got our own bricks and mortar. We finally got our own, you know, employees that we started hiring full time. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I sometimes say, did my business really start when I made a decision to do it in 2003? Or did it start like in 2007 when I finally (laughs) got a building and hired employees? So there's a couple of years there where it was solopreneur with a bunch of network of freelancers and contractors really helping me out and and a lot of hours from me. So um, I hope that answers that. That's a great answer. I love the transparency there. And and, uh, I think it did start when you first started. Right. And it was just a different business model. And in fact, right, the the using freelancers is even more common of a business model now than it was back then. So you were well ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so many pros and cons for that that I could talk about till I'm blue in the face. But um yeah, you're right. I started doing freelancers and offshore development and things like that back in the nineties, even before I started uh, Meteora because of you know, what I was doing with the record label and web design as a freelancer then, et cetera. So got a lot of experience doing it. So tell us more about Meteora. Um, what do you guys do? How do you help people? How do you make a difference for others? Yeah, um, we started out as a full service kind of digital marketing agency, I guess you could say, which meant over the 
20 years that we were operating, it became a catch-all, right? So think about technology in 2003. We were heavy on building websites. We were doing some video work. Um, we started doing a lot of things with Flash, which was like the animation that the web used to feature a lot of yeah. um, that's kind of no longer in existence, um, which I actually think is better. Um, social media didn't exist then. So when social media came around, uh, we were helping businesses figure out how to use that mm -hmm. to their advantage. Google was obviously um, in its infancy when we were starting, but um, rapidly growing and started adding uh, things like paid search as a component of their platform that they, okay, who's going to buy my ads on there? Search optimization had been a thing, but nobody really figured out how to do it the right way. There was a lot of bad stuff. Mobile apps didn't exist, right? So I could go on and on here. Yeah. Um, you know, TikTok wasn't a thing. AI wasn't really a thing. So as this industry progressed, we kept adding, okay, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. We can do that. And we got to the point where traditional business wisdom says you can't be everything to everyone. And we've really committed to that this year. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that we're doing now is, is in the middle of a pivot. Mm. We're really starting to focus on our lead generation capabilities, helping businesses acquire their customers using all of this technology, using all of the automation, mm. using some of the newer AI tools um, to be more effective at, at growing their business. And that's become our new focus. And, you know, with that, you still have to have a website. You're going to need landing pages. So there's still some build component to it. But we're starting to kind of sunset some things like building custom mobile apps. It just doesn't really fit with the structure of our business today. Mm. And that's been a really kind of enlightening and, and a key moment for us to finally realize that. Fantastic. So for everyone listening, uh, make sure to check out the company and the link in the description and, and go visit them on LinkedIn and uh, tell Andrew that you enjoyed his interview. Yes, please do. I'd love to hear from you. And if you need any help with lead generation, give me a call. <laughs> so, Andrew, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think that you could and the impact that that person had on you. Oh, my goodness. Um. So a mentor of mine was uh, a martial arts instructor. He was the sensei, if you will, of a class. And I did martial arts for at least 10 years. I can't remember if it was like 17 years. Like it's a long time, right? And, and it changed a lot. It was Taekwondo, karate, you know, jujitsu, Tai Chi. Like it just, we just kept evolving. So I learned a lot of different things and it went from sport to more of like a health focused by the end of it all. Mm -hmm. And I was really struggling. This was probably 10 years ago, maybe, maybe 11 years ago as a, as an, as a business owner that had been working with a long-term client, that relationship had evolved from, you know, in the beginning days where I'm doing anything and everything to help my business grow. And I might be crawling around on a floor and unplugging a printer and helping somebody <laughs> with an IT thing to now I'm an established business. I have employees. There's a, there's a different level there, mm -hmm. kind of like with family, right? Family's going to treat you the same way, whether you're 50 years old or 10 years old, because you're, you're, you know, each other for so long. And I was struggling with that. Like, how do I control some type of respect or have the, you know, I guess the relationship to change. And he, he coached me through that, um, you know, the, the, the simple version is sometimes you just got to, you know, know where to stand your ground and have yeah. boundaries and, and establish these things. And, and you also got to know when to throw your hands up and be like, 
yeah, screw this. I'm out. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, there's a range there. Uh-huh. And it was really challenging for me to do that because I had this mindset that I had to just do anything and everything to, to make money. Mm. Because if you don't do that, then you, you go out of business. Right. And right. that was an inflection point for me with, with that mindset to shift. And I was able to do it successfully with most of the relationships, not all. And the ones that, that it couldn't work with, you know, it became a strategic decision to kind of separate yourself so that you can start to have some boundaries as a business owner yeah. in a professional way yeah. um, and not still be treated as the the person who's going to, you know, it be at their beck and call and unplug and replug their mm-hmm. router for them type of a yes. thing. So yes. that was a hard one to, to learn. And it is the right thing said at the right time for me, I think. Fantastic. And uh, you said that he was your uh, your instructor, your sensei? That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Andrew, what's the biggest learning that you've had as a business owner? Well, um, it's not easy. Mm. It's probably the biggest thing. It's just not easy. Um, an employee will often think, that the business owners, especially for successful businesses or, oh, they make so much money, you know, they, oh, it's this, they never really understand um, the challenges that we all go through to grow a business. They don't understand the risks that we're taking, Mm -hmm. um, the things that we have to do to make that business successful and that the job doesn't typically end when the clock, you know, you punch out for the day, right? Yeah. And it's it's hard work. And um, I found in in the 20 years of doing it that even when I think I've got things, you know, really dialed in and I can kind of take my focus off and relax a little bit, maybe I didn't have as dialed in as I thought. Maybe I wasn't working on the business as much as I should have been. And, sure. and so I back out of working in the business, but I didn't replace that time with working on the business, as we like to say. So I, I think that just, the simple answer, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you're disciplined and stay on top of it and pursue it, um, you know, today, the same way you did 20 years ago when you first started it type of a thing, you will be successful. Um, but you have to want to do it and you have to know that the cost is it's it's more more work than maybe just having a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, I mean, there's a reason that most people are employees because running a business is a lot harder than being an employee. We actually talk a lot about the fact that, you know, the only reason we should go into business for ourselves is if we're our longer term goal is to sell it because it's so much easier to be an employee than it is to be a business owner. And, you know, there's there's a number of best practices on how to run a great business, but that takes time and effort Right? And focus, like you said, working on the business to be able to implement those best practices. They don't, they don't just happen overnight. <laughs> oh, no. And and I think it's pretty interesting that you might think you know something. Okay, you read a book or you you work with a coach, and okay, I think I got it. And then you think you're implementing it, but you don't really know until you've done it and then measured it to see if it worked, because you know, one of the things that we all talk about is right people, right seat. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with as a business owner. And I would love to say that once I understood the concept of it after reading the book for the first time, um, I think it was good to great. Is that the the first one that the right people, right seat on the bus? Um, I, I'd like to think, oh, I nailed it. I got it. No, <laughs> I've done that exercise at least five <laughs> times over 20 years. And I'm doing it again right now. 
uh, as a business owner because you know we're pivoting with some of our services sure. and stuff too so there's yeah. a, a variable and those variables we don't factor into it so we might think oh i know how to do that i got it you know i've got i'm doing disk i'm doing predictive index whatever flavor you want to use myers briggs you name it oh i'm i'm putting all these measurements in place i'm hiring correctly etc you may have gotten closer, you may have gotten it right, but <laughs> yeah. it might change in a year, right? And yeah. so that, that for me is the, <laughs> yes, the frust because if you're doing a computer program, you can program it one time and it's probably going to continue to do that routine over and over and over again, right? Um, right. Until the, op the operating system is obsolete or something, but you can try, people aren't like that. Mm -mm, no. And even, I mean, I've, I've had failures with hiring too, and I teach, I teach the best practices and I, yeah. I interviewed them and my coach interviewed them and still they didn't turn out. So there's also just the human factor, right? <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. And all those variables we don't think about because you'll measure the person and where they are, but their life is changing. They have external influences. Your business is probably changing. Your clients are changing. Um, it's a constant, it's a, it's a constant process, I guess. It is the the in not just with employees but the entire business because mm -hmm. everything is about getting a little bit better and fine tuning year over year over year because if we don't keep evolving, then we're going to fall behind because our competitors are going to keep evolving. So what might have been great last year is only okay this year, and so we've got to keep right raising the bar and improving all aspects of the business, which means to your point, right, we've got to continue to find ways to get out of the day-to-day -day and focus more on the business so that we can continue to, to improve those different areas of the business. And, and I think to, to build on that, it's um, knowing where your strengths are too, mm -hmm. right? And knowing what you should be doing with your time and what you should be um, delegating or offloading to a, a trusted partner or whatever. Um, you know, one of the things that we do exceptionally well is, is lead generation for clients. Um, it's not too different from what Brad Sugar says in the, you know, buying leads, basically. That's, that's been our model for the past, you know, five to 10 years out of this, this long journey. And there are customers that can, you know, they'll go on and try to self-service that and they'll spend a bunch of time inside of a Google ads dashboard, or they'll play around with a marketing funnel and try to do some drip campaigns and they might fumble their way through it, but mm -hmm. they're probably not experts at it. They're probably wasting money right. doing it. <laughs> and they're also wasting their time because their expertise is a different area. They should be perfecting those skills and and polishing that Absolutely. and and finding somebody that can do that component for them that, that they can rely on um, to achieve the results they need. So that's something that we're actually um, doing right now as a company. So we do some B2B marketing for certain sectors very well. We really excel at B2C marketing in other sectors. Where we've struggled in 20 years is B2B for a marketing agency. And you think, that's funny. Shouldn't you be able <laughs> right? to do your own marketing? Well, it might be one of those cases where the forest for the trees, right? We're yeah. maybe too close to it. So we're actually partnering with another firm to help us do some B2B marketing in our sector Yeah. Um, because we realized where we have strengths and weaknesses. And so that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow, right? We're a marketing yeah. agency. Why can't we do this? Well, right. <laughs> we can spend a lot of time trying to do it and then realize at the end of the day, we're probably not going to market marketing agencies for anybody else. They're our competitors. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, put your money where your mouth is and we did it. That's awesome. I love that because it's also kind of reinforces the whole cobbler shoes idea, right? Of 
you know, the last thing we want to do is what we, what we <laughs> bill other people and do it for ourselves. Right. right. The mechanics car that never runs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation, Andrew. So tell us about, um, one of your biggest challenges during the years and maybe a fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you through that. Wow. Um, that's actually a tough question. I'm going to take a second to think about this and you can edit this out. <laughs> there was a point in time where we were growing as a business and we were hovering just under a million dollars in annual sales. And we were stuck there for what I would say is a good three years. Mm -hmm. Right. So we we had this, you know, early days of Andrew uh, running the shop with um, my wife helping as well. You know, you starting this is in 2000, you're, you're 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars a year, 80. Oh, and then you're 120. Oh, then you're 300. Then you're 500. And and you're kind of seeing this growth. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is rock and roll. Right. And then we hit <laughs> our ceiling at a million. And then we're at 920,000 or something. I'm like, why can't we? And I started to feel like there was a conspiracy. Like, is there, a, <laughs> you know, and I think this is around the same time where we, we weren't really getting any recognition for what we were doing. Um, we were kind of like the, the company behind the company. Nobody knew that we were doing all this work. There are other people that were maybe taking credit for it. And I had some conversations with a couple of different people. Um, one of them is my best friend today, and and we he's actually been a corporate attorney of ours for years. And I was having this conversation with him, and he's like, "No, you're you're looking at it the wrong way. You know, you have to kind of change your mindset." Mm. And I started talking to some other people that were in business, and they shared similar stories. Um, I, I think what was wrong for me at that point was that I was thinking of ourselves as the small company right. that we were, not really thinking about the company we needed to be. Yeah. And so I needed to change my mindset a little bit to level up, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we did that and successfully started hitting $2 million a year. Yes. And then guess what? A couple of years into that, we're hitting that ceiling <laughs> yeah. again. We need to change yeah. our mindset. Yes. And so for us, I mean, this is probably different for different businesses based on what you do, your headcount, the, the challenges that you run across. For us, what I've noticed is as a service-based business, and yeah, we have some SaaS model things in there. We... Um, had those challenges almost at a million dollar increments. Yeah. And it's the scalability became the issue. So I feel like if I didn't have some people around me kind of giving me perspective on that, that no, there's not a conspiracy. There's not like a little <laughs> boys club that you're not a member of. You're just, you're just looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. I might've still been there, you know, bouncing off this uh, sub million dollar ceiling That's awesome. 20 years into it. And yeah. that would be frustrating, right? Because if your yeah. goal is to grow a business so you can sell it and retire yeah. at some point have, <laughs> or have passive income, you got to have it over a million, you know, you got to get it up there, yeah, right? Yeah. Those are rookie numbers, pump those numbers up. So what, what's your friend's name? Jed. Hey, Jed. Right. Awesome. Oh, now he's going to know I said he's my friend. We can't. <laughs> <be kidding. laughs> yeah, it's, it's great advice because you're right. Our, we, our business can only grow to the level that we believe and so yeah. if we only believe, if we don't believe that we're a million dollar company, we'll never hit a million dollars or 2 million or whatever those thresholds yeah. are, right? And there's a lot of work that has to go into, you know, changing and adapting that mindset and that belief system so that we can continue to grow. There's also the, 
you know, the whole principle of we can't grow beyond our capacity either unless we change our capacity and and the way that we look at the the infrastructure of our business. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you had some folks in your corner when you needed them. Yeah, and and I think that the growth is a mindset. Um, and it's not an easy one, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs to achieve some level of, of success and then coast and they've got a lifestyle business and they're comfortable there. Um, and with the way things are changing in our world today, I feel like that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, but so is growth. Growth is risky, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you grow too fast, you could go out of business quicker than if you don't grow at all, right? Sure. And yeah. so um, trying to, I think, have the right approach to um, understanding the continuous improvement required with growth and continuing to set the bar higher, mm -hmm. balanced with the acknowledgement of your success, the celebration of your wins. Yeah. Um, that was something that Action Coach actually taught me years ago is that, you know, we're going to be nitpicking on all these things we're doing wrong and trying to improve them. We're going to be setting our, you know, quarterly goals, et cetera. Um, but we have to take a minute and reflect on how far we've grown. Yes. And what I've realized is, is that a lot of that growth can't be measured in, in dollars and cents, mm -hmm. right? There's a different metric involved Absolutely. to measure that. And, and being able to celebrate those wins um, along the way is key. Absolutely. Indeed. Yeah. Because we're all self-critical, right? So it's just natural to always look at uh, things that didn't go well versus taking the time to, to list out and celebrate the things that are going well. Andrew, if I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for them being there to help with your business's growth. Who are those three people and how they help you? Um, I'd say the first one would probably be my father. Um, and that might seem like a cop-out answer to some people, but the reality is, is that my, my father was a business owner as well. Mm. And, um, he was, uh, he kind of, I don't think inherited is the right word. He acquired a family business from his dad um, that was started by his grandfather. So it started in 1908. And I saw him grow it from when I was a child as a very small kind of local uh, flower shop mm -hmm. to um, a booming business um, uh, that really, you know, expanded it beyond that to, to a leader in the, the marketplace here um, locally. And with that came a change in the quality of life. So I saw firsthand the the, the, the rewards, the benefits, but also the amount of work it took sure. to get there. Yeah. And so that was the early days of kind of shaping my entrepreneurial spirit of just understanding business and what it takes. There was never an illusion to me that it's going to be easy <laughs> for that yeah. reason. Um, the second one is a gentleman by the name of Rick Duffy. And Rick was the COO at Creative Alliance, which was my largest client when we started out. This was the client that said, um, why don't you hire the people instead? Yeah. Yeah. And that relationship evolved over the years, but there were two key components of it. One, um, it taught me how to be a better business person in the larger context, negotiating bigger deals, understanding where the value was for clients so that I could structure my business correctly, yeah. you know, getting into the nitty gritty of not just contract negotiations, but also in presentations and research and approaching things with a more analytical mind, which was um, very helpful. Um, and sometimes we were, um, you know, we're frenemies. Like if, if he's my client <laughs> yeah. and I'm his vendor, one day if we're doing a negotiation, he's a very shrewd negotiator. I might be um, on the other side of it 
You know, I might be getting yelled at one day, like, what are you doing? You screwed this up, whatever it is, right? So there was some tough love there. Um, and, you know, he he did what was best for their business over the time. And I tried to do what was best for mine. And it was a, a chess match, I think, with a lot of respect. And so I felt like that taught me a lot because um, I was, I would say, pretty naive when it came to being a business um, person with contracts and I was a little, maybe a little too trusting okay, um, sometimes. Yeah. And so that, that helped me a lot there as well. And then I think I'll go ahead and give a nod um, to the action coach that I worked with um, three or four years ago for about three or four years, um, Tim Jones, also a Tim, he's in the Kentucky market. So a little bit uh, South of you. Um, I would say that we had a good, good relationship that came at a very important time. Mm. Because I was working with a coach that was um, allocated to me by Google as part of their elevator program. And that coach was out of Canada. And unfortunately, in the middle of our relationship, after a key decision was made, he had a freak health accident and passed away. Oh. It was, I mean, sad news. I don't want to bum everybody out. Um, I, he missed an appointment. I didn't know what happened. And his wife reached out, you know, two weeks later and said, I'm really sorry. This is what happened. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, just, it breaks your heart, right? It's like, oh my God. Um, and so I needed somebody and a, a, a mutual um, business acquaintance introduced us. And it was different than what I was expecting or used to, but it taught me the importance of processes. Mm. Um, it taught me the importance of kind of the quarterly refresh, the annual planning sessions. Um, it helped me become a better business person. It's where I was first exposed to, you know, we were using disc profiles. It's where I got serious for the first time about right people, right seat. Mm. Um, and I think the most important thing was that when COVID happened, it was nice to know I had a coach in my corner. Yeah that could be there to help stabilize me, not just as a business, but also mentally, because yes. that was really challenging for us. Mm -hmm. um, we evolved our relationship so that now we're, I'm gonna say peers, but we, we're getting lunch tomorrow. Like we still stay in touch. We still work with each other. It's a healthy relationship and I'm forever grateful for it. So, um, and that's not just a cheesy plug for you and action coach, <laughs> but I told you when we talked first, I was like, I've been through this and I see the value of it and it's it's huge. So. I don't know if we would have legitimately weathered the storm that was COVID as a business if I didn't have that um, opportunity to have a coach by my side. That's awesome. I love, I love that. Uh, so I did the same. I had a coach through it as well, and I was just starting my business, so I had no idea <laughs> what which way was up. So yeah, having somebody to be able to talk to on a weekly or biweekly basis can make all the difference. Andrew, as you think about the next three to five years, what's the biggest challenge that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals? And who are the types of people you're going to need to overcome that? Yeah, uh, this this is the number one thought right now for us and probably for many business owners because the world is changing um, specifically for us with artificial intelligence. Right. And, you know, AI is um, more than a buzzword. Like I look at the cloud technology and the advancements that it had. And it was just, you know, repackaging uh, the way we look at servers mm. um, on-premise versus in the cloud. The, the AI stuff has been thrown around for years and years and years, but it was it was really algorithms and machine learning. Now they have something that's, that's real and mm. um, it's going to change everything we do in the entire world. For me, um, 
that involves a lot of the services that we offer, right? So if AI can program a website faster than my programmer can, right? at some point, nobody wants to hire Meteora to build them that website. They want to push a button to the AI to do it for them. Right. And if AI can build their ad campaigns and make a video and push that out to Google without a fee for, for paying me to do it, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to actively figure out is, A, we know there's going to be um, a gap and a learning curve. You have early adopters that are going to do that, and you're going to have people that are going to be lagging behind because they're slow to adopt the technology. So there's a period of time we have to continue to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But if we don't personally evolve um, how we're approaching this, we will be obsolete. Right. We will be like the yellow pages. So for me, and and this may not even be five years, this may be one year, this may be two years, this may be six months. We're not really sure right. yet how quickly yeah. it's moving. Uh, we have to find ways to add value. And we know that we have expertise in a lot of areas. We know how the the connectivity um, works with chaining these systems together. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons we're pivoting from building stuff from scratch, custom dev, to a lot of the automation piece because just because you can push a button and make all that happen there's probably four or five other buttons you've got to push and then you got to make these things talk and they need somebody to help figure that out and so that's one of the areas where we're we're exploring and starting to do more with um, to add that value and in terms of the personnel i'm probably not going to need as many um you know workers to build things like build a website um, or to uh, do any type of programming or even copywriting is becoming kind of you know obsolete. What we need more of is is creative people, people mm-hmm. that are um, not just creative for the sake of being creative, but people that understand the psychology and the the buying habits, the personas that can come up with the compelling um, campaign mm-hmm. to then build all of our stuff around yeah. that makes it work. So that's kind of the, the loose um, strategy of what we're trying to do and, and the challenges that we're facing. Last question here. Jim Rohn said that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So, Andrew, as you think about that quote, what advice do you have for business owners who are trying to do it on their own? Well, I think that, you know, the, the kind of cold and um, methodical approach to something like that is, oh, you just try to start hanging out with other successful people. So you yourself can also be successful. Um, I've never really seen that work. (laughs) I like to have people um, that are not afraid of change, that like to grow, you know, personally, that like to explore new ideas, um, that are trying to advance themselves, but also understand that you know, you've got to enjoy the journey too. Mm-hmm. And you've got to, you know, be able to have time to spend the money that you're earning to do things that you like to do. Yeah. So we've built a, a smaller group um, of friends, uh, partially unintentionally from COVID-19 happening, where we would spend time with anybody and everybody. But when that shutdown occurred, we noticed just, we started making time only for the people we really wanted to spend mm-hmm. time with. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean the other people aren't important or they're not sure. part of our lives. Um, we maintain, you know, connectivity with them at certain events or on social media. But when it comes time to like who you want to spend the precious time that you have with, that's a small group of friends. And I feel like we've cultivated um, a relationship with this group that that we kind of have sh- similar ideals and goals and work-life balance um, that's been fruitful for us. And, 
we're not going to spend all our time talking about work with each other. Absolutely not. But it's the other stuff that goes around it that I think makes that more manageable. I don't think if we have that group of friends that we spend that time with, um, we would, you know, feel balanced in life. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. You've mentioned it a few times, but the whole concept of, of balance and, and celebrating and, and making sure that it's not all about work. And, um, you know, the, the popular phrase is, you know, work to live instead of live to work. And it sounds like you're, you're finding your way through that. And, and this group of people is helping to almost keep yourselves accountable to, to that concept. So I, I, yeah. I thank you for sharing that. That's amazing that, that you've been able to find that, that network of people to, to be able to share life with. Absolutely. And it's, I guess I'm very lucky in that sense, right? You, you've got to have people that don't want to anchor you down in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You want people to anchor you in the reality of what you're doing to understand that you need to pause and appreciate the, the smaller moments of life that, that make it worthwhile. Andrew, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you uh, along your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them? Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I know I've not always been easy uh, to work with. And this is true, whether it's my dad or Rick or Tim, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm not an angel and, and, and I've had my own share of problems, but um, the experiences that, that we've been able to achieve and, and have together have been very meaningful to me and I appreciate it. Fantastic. Andrew, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campsall. Please help spread this movement by liking and subscribing to our show and following us on Facebook and LinkedIn or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. To join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. Okay, folks, that's a wrap. Please pay it forward and be sure to tune in next time to the Self-Made is a Myth podcast.